0: All right, good morning, 1030. How you doing this morning? It's y'all. This is awesome. If you are here in this room, packed in, or any of our overflow spaces, or maybe you're watching online. We're so glad that you took time. I want to give a special shout out to our El Salvador team, our first team that got back yesterday. A bunch of them are sitting together here. They got back yesterday. Our second team left yesterday to partner with Enlace. Uh, incredible, incredible organization. We're privileged to be partnered with. So good to see y'all sitting together. That's awesome. Uh, We are in the last week of a teaching series called This Abundant Life, and we've been looking at the abundance of God and how uh, that is actually more of our reality than we may realize, that God's goodness and faithfulness are actually more on display than we may even recognize or realize in our everyday lives. And we've been talking specifically about our money and our stuff and why it is so often that we... Uh, Don't see the abundance of God when it comes to our money. We don't experience that in our lives. We talked about how we can look at our money and our stuff more as a a blessing than a burden. What would that look like for us uh, to actually do that? I want to celebrate something before we get into the heart of the message. Yesterday, uh, we had our Money Wise workshops and, uh, where we get real spiritually practical about our finances. We had twice as many folks show up yesterday as ever have shown up before at our Money Wise workshops. Can we celebrate and thank all of our leaders and our volunteers that do all that for our church? Because we believe, look, I, I believe that this is a... Uh, gosh, this can be a burden, right? This is my wallet. I don't know if you all even carry a wallet anymore. I do. And it, it, this can sometimes feel like a burden. And I don't know always, I don't realize always the power that my wallet can have on my life and the stuff that's in it and how I can work you know, so hard for this and then worry so much about this. or thought about how much power this little accessory has on your life? I don't think you have another accessory that has this much power Uh, In your life, some of you uh, have your wallets and purses with you. In fact, I I want you to feel just how much this can weigh on your life by actually pulling your wallet or your purse or whatever you—your money clip, rubber band—I don't know what you keep your monies in. Maybe it's on your phone. I want everyone to actually go ahead and pull it out right now. Go ahead and pull it out. Uh, This is not rhetorical, so go ahead actually and pull it out right now. Everyone needs to do this uh, because I want us to get just how much power these things can have in our lives. If you're watching online, go ahead and pull it out and hold on to it for a second. Everyone, do, I'm like seeing some folks sitting there that haven't done it yet. Grab your wallet, grab your purse, pull it out. I'm not going to wait much longer. So go ahead and do that right now. And I want you to think about how much power and sway uh, we give these things and what a life would look like if we got freed from this. What would it look like to be freed from this. I want to help you do that today. I want you to get free today. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your wilder person, purse and hand it to the person on your left. I don't care if you don't know them. Just hand it to the. I'm not joking. Hand it to the person. Yeah, I'll take yours. You take mine. There you go. All right, so go ahead. No, I'm really serious. Go ahead and hand it to the person on your left. It's about to get real weird at church. Uh, everyone pass it to someone. Hold on to it. Get free, y'all. It's gonna, you're going to remember this weekend. All right, now I feel like, now that we've kind of done the switch, I think this would be a great time for us to receive our offering this week. <laughs> so I want you to give freely, just give like you've never given before. Like, no, don't actually, okay, don't, have, that would be fun. Don't actually do that. All right, so, uh, but it's funny, have you ever lost your wallet before, that feeling, you know, you get that panic feeling? That's because that has some, not beyond all the hassle of having to go through the details, it's because it has so much power, it represents so much and oftentimes it represents all the wrong things and what we want it to do is represent the goodness and the faithfulness of God so you can hand back that wallet that purse make sure it gets back to the source great job it's okay if you want to count it no one's going to judge you just for going through and making sure that's not that's not on them that's on you actually but it's all right go ahead if you want to do that you can go ahead uh, and do that. And now let's actually receive our actual offering that we do as part of our worship. I'm going to ask our amazing volunteers to come forward. And we talked a lot about this last week. If you missed last week, you can go back and check out the podcast. We talked about this idea of giving and how giving begins with God. He gives, and so we give in response uh, to Him. So if you came ready to give, you love to worship God by entrusting your resources to Him. Lots of ways, three different ways you can do that. You can go ahead and do that as we pass the buckets out now. Uh, if you call us, place your home, then give as God leads you to give. We love Uh, When we do. Now, let's do a little multitasking. While we are receiving our offering and responding to God's goodness, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands if you found yourself saying or feeling any of the things I'm about to mention, okay? So, at any point this last week, so just this last week, if you felt any of what I'm about to say at any point, all you have to do is raise your hand. That's it. No one's going to call on you. You just need to raise your hand. Does that make sense? Okay, so if at any point this last week you felt like you didn't get enough sleep, I want you to raise... Okay, I didn't even finish the sentence. Okay. <laughs> I noticed you weren't at the 8.30 gathering. All right. So lots of us feel like we don't get enough sleep. All right. Good, good, good. Now, just answer honestly. If you feel like this last week, you didn't work out enough. You just didn't work out enough. Raise your... Oh, okay. All right. Well, look, no judgment here. We're glad you're here. That's awesome. Uh, Raise your hand if this last week you felt like you didn't have enough time to get all your work done, either at home or at the office. Oh, really? Okay. So there's a lot of us. Okay. Awesome. Uh, Raise your hand if this last week you feel like you just didn't get enough me time. You just didn't have enough me time to just do what you do and treat yourself however you do. Awesome. So the rest of you got all the me time you need. Okay. That's awesome. Awesome. Love your life. That's awesome. All right. Did you catch um, in those last couple of examples? Did you catch the the word that repeated every single time? Did you catch it? Uh, no, it wasn't me actually. It was enough. Did you catch that? That word, enough. I think it's really important that we unpack what this means because it's at the root of so much of our struggle and our fear and in our anxiety is that we just don't believe that we have enough. Most of us spend most of our days operating under the assumption that there simply is not enough of fill in the blank. Time, sleep, energy, money. We, we go through our life like our enough tank is permanently stuck at E. You know, the red light just came on, right? You remember, I don't know if you've ever done this before, maybe done this recently. I remember when I was in college and I was on my own for the first time, all on my own, paid my way for everything And I didn't have, you know, there wasn't a lot of resources going on. I remember pulling up to the gas station. You ever done this before? And you don't go up to say, fill her up on 10. Like you grab whatever change is in the car and you're scraping out the little ashtray where the change is and, you know, you got whatever. And I would go up and say, I want you to put $2.47 on tank number three, right? And it needs to get me to Friday. Like I need this to last. You ever have one of those kind of moments where you're just kind of living on E? I think that's how most of us live our lives. We just live with the, the needle kind of stuck when it comes to this idea of having enough in our life. It's kind of stuck on E. We're just afraid that there's not going to be enough for me. And this is a cultural condition. It is rampant throughout our culture. You are not the only one that has ever felt that way. Uh, it's actually uh, it has a name, and it's a belief system, and the name of that belief system is scarcity. It's called scarcity. It's the belief that there just is not or never will be enough. It's the belief that life operates on a set of limited resources and I am afraid that I won't have enough or if I do it won't last forever. It's like this um, this glass of water. Imagine this glass of water are, is the, represents the resources of your life and anytime you take from it, hold please, you look and realize uh oh i'm running a little low i don't know if that's going to get filled up again whatever it is time energy money whatever it is and the more that kind of goes out that you spend on other things the more fear fills in that space that was once full because you begin to believe that life is all about being half empty that this is there's just not enough for me there's not ever going to be enough for me. It's called scarcity. It's the belief that life is a zero-sum game, that there's a set limited number of resources, and because of that, there are winners and losers, haves and have-nots. It is at the root of so much of what we do and how we treat each other. Think about it. Uh, Jealousy, you can find its root in scarcity. Envy, scarcity greed that's pretty obvious scarcity addiction you can trace right upstream to scarcity it is so much in the fabric of how we actually view the world and while money isn't where we experience it exclusively it is where we can uh, get most in touch with it acutely like that's where we feel it the most because when you think about money in our country we only print so much money we can keep printing more but it doesn't matter. It's not worth as much. So we know that there's a, only a limited set of resources, and so that's often where we feel scarcity uh, at its most intense is when it comes to our money. And a lot of work, a lot of teaching has been done on how pervasive this worldview is. And one of my favorite books that kind of exposes what scarcity really is, is a book by uh, a woman named Lynn Twist and it's called The Soul of Money. Great book, The Soul of Money. And in that, this is what she says, and she's not pulling any punches. She just comes right out the gate and says it. She says, scarcity is a what? Scarcity is a A lie. lie. That's a lie. It's actually a lie. And get this, it's independent of any actual amount of resources. So what independent of, irregardless of, However much you have or don't have or think you have or think you don't have, no matter how much is in the bank account, how much is in your wallet, it doesn't actually matter. Scarcity, independent of any actual amount of resources, is an unexamined and false system of assumptions, opinions, and beliefs from which we view the world as a place where we are in constant danger of having our needs unmet. Dang. That's the power of scarcity. It doesn't matter, actually, how much you have or you don't have or think you have or think you don't have. It is a lie. It is a worldview that says there's not enough, and if I don't get mine or get some, I'm in trouble. It's not rooted, actually, in any form of reality, and yet it affects every aspect of our lives. And as long as we perceive it to be reality, what eventually ends up happening is it becomes our reality. And it becomes the lens through which we see the world. And it affects not only how we think, but how we act and the choices that we make. So the question I want us to consider uh, today as we look at where God is at in the midst of this view, this lie about scarcity, the question is, is simply this. Who would, who would I be, who would you be, who would I be if I got that God's got me? like who would i be if i got, if i actually got that god's got me he's got me i'm his son i'm his daughter he's got me who, who do you think you'd be if you actually believed if you got that god's got you he is going to take care of you i want to show you how important it is to get this and by doing so, I want to actually have you open up your Bible. So if you brought a Bible with you, awesome. Get it out. We'll make sure to mark you down for extra credit. If you got it on your phone, fantastic. If not, there should be a Soul City Bible. looks just like this right under your seat. Go ahead and grab it. We're all going to need to do uh, walk through this passage together. Maybe grab a pen. I think this is some really helpful stuff that can help shift and transform how you view your uh, your resources in your life. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1, all the way to the left. So you can turn to page one in the Soul City Bible, all right? That's where we're going all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter one, page one. Now, every time we open up and teach for the Bible every week, I like to give you a little context as to where we're coming at in the text. Well, we're going all the way back to page one. There's not a lot of context before Genesis one. Basically, there is nothing as we know it, and then God creates everything as we know it. And that's kind of what happens as we get to Genesis one. In the middle of all that God had created, he put his most prized and special creation, right at the center of it all. He puts human beings, Adam and Eve, right in the middle of it all. And in the very beginning of everything, God tells them something that's very important for us to get. So let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. Oh, and I'm going to pause. We do this all the time. I'm going to pause when I do. You shout out the next word to me. Make sense? Yeah, I'm not buying it. Okay, so I'm gonna pause and then when, when you, you just shout out the next word, make sense? Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so, but I want you to get this, it's this really important. Then God said, I give you what? I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Isn't that awesome? Now you see what God's doing? Let's keep going. Verse 30. And to all the beasts of the earth and All the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground. In fact, everything that has breath in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Now, did you notice kind of the pattern there? Everything, 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 all, all, all. God says, I made it all and I give it all to you. That's pretty powerful. This is right at the beginning of the story. God says, yeah, I made it all. Everything, every bird, everything, everything. I made it all for you to enjoy, and I give it all to you. God's provision is limitless. It's abundance almost to the point of abandon. God's like, oh, it's all for you. I made it all for you. That's love. That's God. That's what God's love actually looks like. But in the limitlessness of his provision, he does provide one limitation. There is one limitation. If you know the story, you know where... It goes next. I want you to look ahead to Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. So jump a chapter ahead of where we just were. Genesis 2, verse 16. God gives a limitation to his limitless provision. He says this, And the Lord commanded the man, you are, here it is again, free to eat of any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, this is a pretty important thing for them to pay attention to and something for us to pay attention to. God says you can have anything, all, everything, it's all yours. There is this one tree in the garden. It's the tree that represents the knowledge of, of good and evil. And if you take from it, then you will certainly die. You will not continue to live on this life as we know it. Now I want you to think about that the knowledge of good and evil. What did Adam and Eve know up until this point? In fact, what did they only know up until this point? Good or evil? Good. They didn't know evil up to this point. That their ex- entire experience was rooted in the goodness of God, the goodness of the garden, the goodness of human connection actually with each other. All they knew was good, but the story was about to take a turn. And this is where scarcity actually enters our story. Now move ahead to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, we don't know if it's metaphorical or literally, but it's the story that God's given us. He said to the woman, now, I want you to get this, Did God what? Did God... Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. You said it like you're in church. Okay. Say it like he would have said it. Okay. Okay. Did God really, see, you know, right? Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, hold up. Wait a minute. Rewind the tape back. Is that what God said? That you can't eat from any tree in the garden? No, that's actually not at all what God said. God said you can eat from every tree in the garden except this one. I've put a limit limitation to this limitless provision. It's just this one tree. But what does the enemy say? Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? See, this is so often how the enemy gets us. It's not in these big, bold-faced lies. It's in little, twisted truths. Little, twisted truths. It's where he gets us. You, You know, you'd be a lot happier if you had more money. You'd be a lot happier with just a little bit more money. You'd be a lot more attractive if you lost 15 pounds. Does God really care about that area of your life? Come on, God doesn't care about that area of your life. It's not big, bold lies oftentimes. It's little twisted truths. In fact, sin and and separation from God's love don't often come in giant leaps. They come in small steps away from the truth, the reality of God's love. Now, Eve is on to him Sort of. I think, first of all, she had to get over a snake talking, but then she listened to what he said, and she's on to him, sort of. The woman said to the serpent, no, 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 we actually may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. God, and she likes to walk through the, God said we could eat from this tree, and apple trees, and orange trees, and lemon trees. And she got, you know God said every tree, everything in the world. He said we can eat from all of it, but you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. You must not even touch it, or you will die. Now look what the enemy comes back with, the serpent comes back with, verse 4. Oh, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will actually be opened and you will be like God himself, knowing good and evil. See what's happening here. In other words, what he's saying to her is God's holding out on you. He's holding out on you. Now, we can look back at the story and go, oh, Eve, I wouldn't have chosen that. You had such a good thing going, right? Easy to do. But how many times, if you've been really honest in your life, when you've been at your lowest, life's been at its hardest, have you believed God's holding out on you? You see someone else advance at work, someone else, a friend of yours gets engaged and You don't even have a boyfriend right now. You see someone else start a family and you've been trying for years to have a family and what's the first thing so easy to believe? God's holding out on me. Apparently God has favorites and I'm not it. He's holding out on me. And that's what the enemy plays on here. Oh, no, 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 no. Eve. He is holding out on you. If he really loved you, he would give you whatever you wanted. Is that what real love looks like? Just get whatever you want. No. There are times where love has limits. And in this case, everything is not enough for Adam and Eve. And so she believed him. Verse 6, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, of course it is. God made it. And also desirable for gaining wisdom, now knowing what evil is, where she did not know that before. She took some, she ate it, she gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And it says, verse 7 Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. They'd never even known that that might not be a thing. And shame enters into the story, and guilt enters into the story, and blame enters into the story. And so they sew fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And our story is forever changed because of this moment. This is where sin. Scarcity enters into our story. This is where we first came to believe that God was not enough, that God is holding out on you. And while it's been with us forever, this idea of scarcity, this worldview that there is not enough has actually, as you can see, been with us from the very beginning of the story. It's actually important to remember what came first, what came before the lie of scarcity. It's the truth of God's abundance. It's the truth of God's goodness. I made it all for you, everything, everything, everything. I've provided it all for you. See, the lie of scarcity is a response to the truth of God's abundance. That actually is what comes first, is God's promise. That he promised them, he promised then, he promises you, he promises now, that he will always take care of you. Adam and Eve had everything that they ever needed, but for some reason, it wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough for them. They were invited to enjoy it, to experience it. God said, I made it all for you, but somehow it just wasn't enough. It's like, it's like they couldn't see the garden through the tree. They couldn't see the garden, the beauty, the goodness of God's provision Through that one tree, that God said, Not this. There's some limits around my limitless provision. And all they saw is that there might not be enough. And so scarcity entered in. Now remember, scarcity is a lie. It's not actually rooted in reality. It's been with us from just about the very beginning of the story, but it's a lie in response to the truth of God's abundance. But it is a lie. It's the story that I tell myself to justify all of my fears, to justify all of my choices and actions, to to feed and to fuel all of my anxiety. It, it, It blinds me and it binds me to the belief that there simply is not enough. There's just not enough. And it's pervasive in our world and in our culture and in our lives. But the good news is there is an antidote to the toxicity of scarcity. There's a cure an antidote that's actually already been provided for you and for me. I love the way that Brene Brown says it in her amazing book, Daring Greatly. She says this. She says, The opposite of scarcity is enough. It's enough. It's not more and more and more and more and more. It's enough. That there is enough. That God has given me enough. That's actually the antidote To scarcity, the opposite of scarcity, the other side of the coin, if you will, is enough. That's what Adam and Eve failed to believe. It's what I so often miss. I know it's what is so easy for each of us to so often miss is that God has actually already always given you enough. You may not have everything, but I bet you have enough because of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. See, it goes back to this glass and To our lives? Do I really believe that there is enough? Because as I continue to go through life and exhaust my energy, my time, my resources, the glass can get lower and lower and empty and empty, and the fear and anxiety can go higher and higher and higher. And I can forget that God said, Don't worry, I have a limitless supply. You will always be taken care of. You're my son. You're my daughter. Oh, but God, no, you don't understand, God. Oh, I got to pay the kids, I need braces. <laughs> oh, God, did you see how much that cost? How long do we have to pay for this? Oh, God. <laughs> I lost my insurance. Oh, man, I went to pay out of pocket. Oh, God. <laughs> and we can keep going and going and going. And God says, don't worry. I've always taken care of you. I always will. There's enough. But it doesn't feel like enough. God, I just got my taxes back. Oh, God. (laughs) I was really counting on the lottery, God. Oh, God. And we keep emptying our glass because that's what life does. It requires things of you, your time, your energy, your resources. And the lower and lower and lower it gets, the more and more fear and anxiety rise. And God says, don't worry. I have enough. There is enough. I will always take care of you. And this is a pitcher. I had wanted to install a waterfall on our stage, but they told me it wasn't possible or financially feasible. So I want you to get the idea that the pitcher never runs empty, that there is a limitless supply of God's abundance and goodness in your life. No matter how low it may get, he says, no, no, no. I will take care of you. There will always be enough. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. Scarcity is a lie. It's a response to the truth of my abundance and goodness in your life. If you'll recognize it, if you'll see it. So the question is that each of us has to really wrestle with is this. Do you trust that God has enough? Like, Do you really believe that God has enough? Or do you believe that he's in short supply? That he's operating off a limited set of resources? Do you believe that God has enough for you? Do you believe that God has enough for this world? Do you think he has got it under control? May not look like it, may not feel like it. You look around the world and go, but what about this? What about this? Do I actually though believe and do I trust that God has enough? Or maybe here's actually here's the real question beneath that question. Do I trust? Do you trust that God is enough? Do I trust? Do you trust that God is enough? There is enough of God, in God, through God. He is enough. How you answer that question, do I trust that God is enough, how you answer that question greatly determines how you look at and live your everyday life. Do you trust that God is enough? And I, like really, really, really trust. Do you really, really, no matter what may come or what may be required of you, do I really trust that He is enough. See, all of us face scarcity in one way or another. Uh, every day, we all face it. Time, energy, money. And I want to, you know, if you like felt that, that fear, that anxiety, even maybe today, you know, it wasn't enough time to get ready. It wasn't enough time to get here. And you're worried about some stuff going on later in the day. You're already kind of futurizing some potential reality and making it your present reality, right? I got it. You're not alone, actually. All of us do that. Our, you know what? Our staff, the most amazing people. I have the privilege. Jeannie and I have the privilege of working with. Do you know we all face scarcity as we try and live out and lead this church as best we can? Do you know that we have to face it on a weekly, daily basis? Like, you know, like our, the average day for our staff is we, we spend the first three hours of our workday praying and the second three hours reading the Bible. But after that, we... <laughs> I love that some of you believe that. And I want... You know what? Keep believing that. I want you to hold on to that belief. that we do pray. we do read the Bible, but, you know, we also do other stuff. Um, we'll be in meetings, right? and we'll be talking about how you know, this church is growing, and, and you know, you, you can, I mean, you can go back and play the tape back from any one of our meetings, you'll hear someone say, "I just don't think we have enough volunteers. Do we have enough volunteers? Are there enough people getting in the game, using their gifts, serving God? I don't know if we can add this because I don't know if we have enough vol- it's, that's scarcity. All of us face it. We face it as a team. We face that. Or, you know, I don't know if uh, there's enough room. I mean, you can kind of look around you. I don't know if there's enough room. What, what do we got to do? What do we got to figure out? We want to make sure that there's always enough room. There's good. That's a good problem to solve. But if we're being driven by fear, that's a bad place to start. There's just not enough room. There's just not enough room. God's not, God can't do anything to our church because there's not enough room or there's not enough time to talk about all the things that God's doing here. we got to make sure that we let people know about the the Money Wise workshop. Make sure you let them know about the Grief workshop. Make sure you let people know about the I Do Redo date night. Make sure you let them know about the Family Serve. Jared, can you add these six things into your message so that you can let people know about these things? Because there's not enough time, there's not enough platforms. It's not enough, there's not enough, it's not enough. We face that trying to to grow and be a part of leading a spiritual community. We face that every week as a church. And we don't want to be the kind of church that's driven out of fear and scarcity that limits the abundance of God because we're so afraid that there's not enough. <laughs> Look, I'll take it one more level of being real personal with you. Last week, uh, I talked about the significance of, of giving, how giving begins with God. God is a God who gives. And so when we give to God, all we're doing is just responding out of God's goodness. I thought it was a pretty good message. And um, at the end of the message, we uh, gave a challenge. We said, hey, we want we want to help you get in the game to trust God with your resources so that you're not a gripper, you know, just hold on to your stuff. You're not just a tipper that kind of throws at the bucket every now and then, but that you're a giver. We want you to be a giver, to experience the abundance of God as you give to him. So we gave a challenge, text in this number, and you can, you know, we'll send you the link so that you can become a giver. I felt really great about it. Monday comes along. Hey, I'd love to know how many folks responded to the the giving challenge. It'd be great to know kind of how many folks got in the game. And so they sent the number back to me and they kind of compiled some stuff and they sent the number back to me and I got the number and I saw that 24 folks last week uh, said that they wanted to become givers in our church. And I got the text back. My first response is I fell to my knees and said, oh, thank you, God, for 24 people. (laughs) Nope, that's not what I did. Do you want to know how scarcity hit me this week while I was writing a message on scarcity? Do you know what my reply back to that text was? That's it? I'm being honest. 24? That's it? Out of like 1,500 people here that weekend? That's it? That's not enough. Now, I don't know what that, what was stirring on in me, what I was so afraid of. It's not like God has ever let this church down. It's not like he's never got provided for us in every way. But scarcity crept in, grabbed a hold of my heart, and I believe, well, that's not enough, that's not enough. Rather than saying, thank you, God, that 24 people made a seismic spiritual shift in their life and trusted you. God, I trust you've always taken care of this church. You're going to move in their life. You're going to take care of their life. Rather than starting there, I started from, is that enough? I don't know if that doesn't feel like enough. You see how quickly this can grab a hold and rob and ruin you from the abundant life. That God created before. I know it personally. My hunch is all of us do. Every one of us has faced it at some point. Do I really, do I really believe that God is enough? That through Him, there will always be enough in Him. Do I actually, really believe it? As I was preparing and getting ready for our time here together, I was brought, God led me to all of these promises through the bible of his provision how a ab- Abundantly faithful, God actually is. And as I'm kind of studying and preparing, I keep getting distracted by his promises of faithfulness. Lord, I need I only have so much time. God, I have a limited number of time that I need to get this message written, and yet God keeps reminding me, no, 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 no. Do you really believe this, Jared? I'm not talking about the words you write for other people. I'm talking about you. Do you really believe that I hold the cattle on a thousand hills? That there is no limit to what God owns and what God disperses to his children? Oh God, I don't know. Do I really believe it? Do you really believe that God actually has prepared a banquet for me and that his banner over me is love, not shame, not guilt, not blame, abundant love? Do you believe that? Do you really believe that's how God actually operates do you really believe that if God cares about every bird that's flying around in the air right now they've all gone down to Florida but he knows about every single one of them he knows them by name he cares for every one of them if God is gonna dress every blade of grass in the field how much more so will he care for you and every one of your everyday needs do you really actually believe that he will meet every one of your needs according to the glorious riches in his son Christ Jesus do you actually actually believe? Do I actually believe that he is able to do immeasurably more than I could ever ask or even come up with or imagine on my own? Do you really believe that every good and perfect gift comes from the father of heavenly lights who does not shift like shadows, but is faithful, consistent, always enough? If you get that changes everything changes everything how you view your life how you view your time how you view your stuff if you do it changes your worldview and it tells scarcity that it can start packing it's not welcome here there's no place for that lie in the overwhelming abundant truth of God's love his goodness his provision because if I believe that God is enough then I know that God has enough. And if I know that God has enough, then I can trust that God has enough for me. He's not going to forget about or fail me. And if you ever wonder why we make a big deal about giving back to God and being generous, you know, kind of people, that why we talk about that, normalize that as a part of our everyday spiritual lives with God, it's because generosity puts scarcity in its place. It has a powerful effect over scarcity. Generosity is is really nothing more than tangible trust. It's not just saying, yeah, I trust you, I trust you. It's saying, no, I tangibly trust you, God. This is all generosity is. God pours into me out of his abundance, and I say, thank you, God. I'm going to give this a little bit back to you. God says, well, I'm going to continue to bless you. I told you I would. I've been faithful to you. God, thank you for your abundance, your goodness, your provision. I pour it back to you. Yep, I'm going to keep being faithful to you. Do you see how it it becomes this beautiful cycle of trust and abundance, trust and provision in our lives? Scarcity is a lie. It's not rooted in reality. No matter how real it feels, it's actually not rooted in reality. Plain and simple. Do you want to know what scares scarcity? Scarcity. It's Halloween right now. We're getting all our costumes ready, and everyone's all wanting to be spooky and scary. If you're listening to this podcast like four months later, remember Halloween? Anyway, so it's Halloween right now. Everyone wants to be scared. You know what scares scarcity? Generosity scares scarcity. Scares the pants off of scarcity. When you say, nope, I trust God this much. I'm going to trust He's going to take care of me. Always has, always will. It's, It's easy for me to trust and give back to him because he's been so abundantly faithful to me. Generosity scares scarcity. It's one of the most powerful things and most transformative things you can do in your life. And so when it comes to homework, I wanna give you the same homework I gave you last week. I, I want you to experience this for yourself. I want you to begin to become, if you haven't already done so, so many folks have us in our church. This is such a generous church. You were unbelievably generous. We talked about that last week. But if you have yet to do so, I want you to get in the game of trusting and giving back to God as he's poured out into your life. And so there's a number that's going to pop up on the screen. And all you got to do is text in and we're going to deduct a thousand dollars from your bank account as soon as you do. We would never do that. We're just going to send you a link and that link can get you set up to begin to set aside, as we believe here. A percentage, a percentage, whatever it is, that's between you and God. And you may look at your resources and go, God, I don't know if I can do this much. I want to do this 10%, but God, I'm going to have to start at five. Awesome. Start. Don't wait till you get more to give more. It doesn't work that way. Start today. Give. Start to pour back into what God has poured into your life. And so you can text one word, really important. Soul City, autocorrect's going to try and, the devil's going to try and get you through autocorrect. <laughs> Just bind him in the name of Jesus. One word, Soul City. Anyone can do this. If you've been around here, and again, if you're a guest here, you're new around here, we have zero expectation you do this. I'm talking about folks who've received from God, who are growing with God, who call this place home, who can look at their life and say, I want to be a part of giving back to God because he's given so much to me. I'm talking to you. You can text in that one word, Soul City, to 31996. If you're watching online right now, you can do it right now too. Get your phone out. You can do it. Why? It's not so that I get a better text message this week telling me of a bigger number. I want to be real clear. It's not about that. It's so that you can experience the abundance of God, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. And to do that, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to have you stand up, and I'm going to ask us to pray. So everyone go ahead and stand up right now, and I'm going to ask us to pray in maybe a little bit of a different way. I just want you to be reminded. I want you to get how good and how abundantly good and how faithful God has been to you. So we take a posture of open-handedness when we pray. It works both ways. I receive from God and then I offer it up to God. It's the beauty of that posture. So if you'd open your hands up to God, I'm going to ask you right now to start naming out loud the goodness of God in your life. Maybe you say, God, thank you for my family. God, thank you for my friends. God, thank you for this church. God, thank you for my job. I want you to literally out loud. You don't have to be shy about it. God wants to hear from your heart. You just start saying it right now where you're at. I want you to think through your life and the goodness and the abundance of God and just start saying it out loud to him right now. I don't know if you've ever prayed before or you're scared about it. All you have to do is say, God, thank you for, and then fill in the blank. Go ahead and start doing it right now. God, thank you for, For my family. God, thank you for my wife. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for our kids. God, thank you for their school. God, thanks for our home. Thanks for this team. God, thank you for how faithful you've been to me. Thank you above, beyond, God. You've been so faithful. Oh, God, we could spend the rest of our day. And thank you, God, that we will spend all of eternity in heaven declaring your faithfulness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your goodness to all people, to all generations. God, we get so lost in the lie of scarcity that we can't see the garden through the tree. And so, God, help us with our heart that wants everything to be grateful for enough. You've already always given us enough, God. And so to give back to you, to respond to you, God, that's a small portion of your faithfulness and your goodness to us. And God, I pray as we worship now that you'd continue to stir up in us more reminders of your faithfulness, your abundance, God, your goodness to us throughout our lives, that it would draw us closer to you, God, and to the Son whom you gave so that we could actually have life. It's in his name that we pray.